Welcome back to another episode of Unbatting. I'm Dana Pereira. And I'm Jessica Presley. Just, we're like a little matchy-matchy today. Oh, totally unplanned, but also super cutesy. Oh my goodness. We're just feeling these florally, summery vibes. I mean, finally. I, I think the last episode I was bitching about the gray, gross, disgusting weather that San Diego was having. And we are now in... The bliss of sunshine. Yes. 80 degrees. Thank you, San Diego. (sighs) So beautiful. I didn't realize that I was experiencing seasonal depression until the sun came out and I felt like my whole spirit come alive. And I was like, that's what I've been missing, the sun. I've been missing the sun. The sun will do it for you. I didn't realize that I was experiencing regular depression because I think we were always told not to go to the doctor for that stuff. <laughs> so I just kept it all real close, deep down in the dark. I just bottled it up and pushed it way down deep. <laughs> and then I saw this episode of something and realized that, oh my gosh, that's real. Yeah. That's depression. Yeah. Look no. at me go. Super depression. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's amazing too because I think that probably like a gazillion people, whenever somebody tells me they don't have depression, I'm like, you just haven't figured it out yet. Yeah. You just don't know you're depressed yet. Yeah. I definitely realized I had depression. And then I was like, wow, you've been depressed for like four years. <laughs> Four years? Because I'm going on 40. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, like, you can think of, like, a high time in your life, and then you just saw it, like, and you're like, that was the beginning of the... So was it... <laughs> <laughs> the bomb yeah. of depression? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I think that uh, in the beginning, like, even teenage years... Whenever I was super depressed, obviously very, totally very depressed. Um, But I was just, I never thought of it that way. I'm like, this is normal. This is what teenagers do. We're a moody teenager. We're just brooding teenagers. And no, it turns out that those brooding teenagers are actually a cry for help. (laughs) They are, but like we weren't really like allowed to send no. out that battle cry. There's no crying There's in no life. There's no name for that. There was no name for that when we were young. Like, you didn't say I'm depressed because that meant, like, you were fucking weird as hell. If you had to see a therapist, oh. like, you might as well just, like, take your social life and shoot it because it's dead now. Yeah, I know. I know. That was, like, the big secret of my whole life was that I went to therapy. Oh, my God. I know. I was in therapy at such a young age. Thank God I needed it. <laughs> We still need it. I still need it. Still going. Um, but yeah, yeah, that was therapy wasn't a thing. I mean, it was starting to become starting. a thing. Yeah, I thank love goodness. how it is now. Yes, everyone's got their therapist. I need to go back to therapy. Mm-hmm. And That's I'm proud place. of that. I'm like, I love it. Yeah, I'm growing. I'm working shit out. Um, processing trauma. I'm moving on. Do you try and impress your therapist? I want her to think I'm her favorite patient. <laughs> this week I'm like, so I'm winning at therapy. <laughs> I'm the winner. <laughs> My last therapist, this is probably why I haven't gone back yet, by the way, <laughs> because she was so good to me. Um, she made me feel like I was just winning at everything. You're I've, so validated. Oh, my God. Every time I would get off the video chat with her, she would be like, you're such a good mom. You're doing everything right. You're doing the work. Like, you got this. Like, she was so... Total hype girl. She was my hype girl. Oh, I love it. And I was like, God, I can't go to another one because they're going to tell me that she was wrong. And yeah. I don't want them to do that. No, because then you have, like, real work to do. Like, oh, that doesn't feel good. <laughs> Yeah. I try to impress my own therapist and my kids' therapist. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, 
I even <laughs> this is a really good segue into what we wanted to talk about tonight. <laughs> I was gonna say I even like probably in some way like manipulate her. I'm like, oh, you know, when I mess up, I have to make my and this is all true and honest, of course. But you know, you want to like do it in a good way. Yeah, you know, you want to be seen for your efforts, and I want her to be like, good job, you did it right. And I'm like, feed my soul. Thank well, you. And for if your it ever needs words. to be used in a court of law i want them to be like no she seemed good <laughs> please don't ever make it be in the court of law please don't ever make it be in the court of law well, i'm just saying like you never know i i mean god forbid something would happen where my husband and i had to break up or because it happened with the boy's dad where right. you know like they, they use shit like that against you they do so you gotta make yourself look good to I the know. people that matter you got that head on a swivel mm. you gotta make sure you got all the bases covered and that is just in case manipulative <laughs> so about mm. that mm. Mm-hmm. it's a big topic it is a big topic so much goes into it. There's we a, all do it. It You can't get away with not doing it. To so, varying degrees. Yes. Agree. There's, there's societal manipulation. Sure. I mean, even media manipulates totally, you. Totally. Totally. Don't even get me started on that. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, we'll definitely get into that. Uh, parental manipulation. Oh, every parent does that with their kids. Um, are you kidding? Do you know how many times I've threatened Santa Claus to my children on like months that are August? <laughs> you know, like doesn't even, Christmas isn't even around the corner, but mm-hmm. I'm calling Santa Claus. Calling He's going to know what you did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's why Santa Claus was invented. For manipulation. Yes. I also think that's why church was invented. <laughs> Another episode, but I agree. <laughs> So now we know what's coming up next week. (laughs) Yes, definitely that. But so many different types of manipulation. So many people do it. I feel like we do it naturally sometimes just as a way to get your point across, to Mm -hmm. feel understood. But then there's like manipulation um, in the form of emotional abuse. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is the one where you got to really – have your guard up and understand what you're dealing with because people who are serious manipulators can mess up your life in a big way. They can and they do. And not only do you have to have your guard up for it, you also have to have your self-awareness up Mm -hmm. for it because I can talk about another person manipulating me and how awful it was and how much it hurt and all of that. And then I have to look at the other side of the coin and also recognize that I am not innocent in this feat. I also have had my hand in manipulation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that um, I have two, of course. We have a little list going that we can kind of touch base on some of them. And I'm sure in some capacity I've been uh, a player in that game. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I don't know. It's like, where do we learn this ability to manipulate? Even as kids, I've read some statistics about like the age in which kids can like consciously manipulate their parents. Because I know there's like so many different methods of parenting and different ways that people want to parent. But I know a lot of times people are like, um, oh, the baby's manipulating you or they just want to be held. And and I truly believe that like, Babies are just trying to get their needs met. Yeah, I don't. They're think not that manipulating the baby you. Is trying to manipulate you at four months old. No, definitely mm. not. But I have read, and I believe the age was around six or seven oh. before they could actually cognitively put together a plan of manipulation, like before, during, and after. Six or seven years, years old. old. Yes. Okay, interesting, because in my head, I was thinking two. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what we all think. Yeah. and But I think still at two, it's just this strong desire to get your needs met, whatever mm-hmm. that is. And at two, it doesn't matter if it's like uh, a meal, um, like an actual need, or like you want this toy. Right. Like to a two-year-old, 
the commitment to that emotion is the same regardless. Yeah, and they're, it's the first time they're having these emotions. It's the first time that they're going through these processing, doing all of these things. They're, they're not quite at the point where they're a master manipulator trying right. to get one over on you. Right, and so in order to manipulate, you kind of have to have this um, like master plan. Yeah. Right? You have to see where you're starting, how you're going to lay it out, and that it's going to get you to an end result. Mm-hmm. And... I don't think that young children have that capacity. No, no. So we have a, a whole list mm-hmm. of of manipulation tactics. And I am sure if you are a person that is listening slash watching this, that you have either participated in or have had some of this done to you. The first one is a biggie. Mm-hmm. Everybody has had this happen to them, I think. And possibly even has participated in gaslighting. Mm-hmm. The buzzword, right? It is a big, big buzzword. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even sure that I knew exactly what it was whenever somebody would be like, oh, they're gaslighting you. I was like, what does that even mean? And for me, gaslighting is when somebody was trying to make me feel crazy for Mm -hmm. the way that I felt about Mm -hmm. something. They would give me every reason in the book why I was wrong about feeling a certain way. Um, And then the guilt comes after. We're like, oh, gosh, they're right. Like, I shouldn't feel this way. Right. So anytime that somebody's making you question your memory of events, making you question your sanity, um, making you think, did I have this wrong? Like, was I really that, like, out of touch in this mm-hmm. situation? You can bet that you're being gaslit. Gaslit, I think. Gaslighted. The... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, gaslighting is Gas happening. Literally doodles. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I think that um, anytime I've been in a situation where I was being Gaslit. <laughs> Gaslit. Gaslitly doodled. Um, you certainly don't know it in the moment. It takes some some time and some perspective to really like dissect that and be like, wait a minute. Well, because there's self-doubt mm-hmm. because we're in our head and we have that self-doubt like, wait a minute, do I have the right to feel this way? Am I? Now, I will just use this example uh, cheating, I think, is a big example that people tend to gaslight mm, in. Mm-hmm. So the person that is cheating typically will gaslight the person that they are cheating on, um, whether it's they go through their phone or they just have a feeling about a coworker mm-hmm. or whatever it is. And then the person that is actually doing the cheating will say like um, – a uh, for example, that that's my private phone. Why would you go through that? If there's not trust in the relationship, uh-huh. then this isn't even worth exploring. What if is, you don't trust me? What is the point if you can't trust me? Oh, that is so freaking shady. I despise that because I am a person now, and I used to be that way. I am a person now that I'm like, here you go. If this makes you feel good, if looking at my phone, going through my messages, having my passwords, whatever it is, if it makes you feel better about our relationship, it's going to give you some sort of solace in this, Mm -hmm. then here you go. Please, by all means, take it, look through it, feel better. See, I am not a cheater Mm -hmm. and I'm private. Yeah. And to be quite honest... I mean, if Dave was like, I think something's going on. Let me look through your phone. Of course, I would give it to him to look through. Yeah. But like my phone is not an open book. I don't want you to go through my phone. Yeah. It's my space. It's my privacy. It's my stuff. I I really don't have anything to hide. And I don't want you to go through my phone. Understandable. Because <laughs> I, I have those feelings also. There are sometimes I'm talking to a friend and I'm texting them and I'm venting. And I don't think that's my husband's business to know what I'm venting about at that moment. Maybe I'm just going through something at the moment or maybe I also, 
you know, just don't want him to know or I want to have my private feelings. So I do understand that. But I'm also not telling my husband, like, you're crazy. Right. Right. What do you think? I'm texting someone about you? Yeah. There's not trust in this marriage. Then why am I even here? Yes. Total gaslighting. That is definite gaslighting. And I've I've seen it so many times. And I'll be honest, whenever... I mean, I've had relationships in the past um, where I was very insecure and um, I used to do this thing. It's really terrible. I used to break up with a person, then go sleep with somebody else and then get back together with them. What, what was going on there? Um, I just was very insecure in the relationship. And so if I thought that they were doing something, I didn't want to be the person that was doing something bad though. So I thought that I was doing everyone a favor by breaking up with them. It's over. Then I would go out. This is in my 20s, by the way, like early 20s. Go out, get wasted, hook up with whoever it was that I wanted to hook up with. Wake up the next morning in a fucking shame puddle. Right. And then want to like go back to the person right. that I was with. Right. And then tell them or not tell them? Not tell them. Tell them that they were fucking crazy. I would gaslight the shit out mm. of them and tell them like, oh, you're being crazy. What? Just because I needed space for a night? You think that I'm like <laughs> out? <laughs> Having my holes filled with other dudes, <laughs> please. In the meantime, I was like, hope. <laughs> Stop to the brim. <laughs> that was so <laughs> wonderful. If you're not watching this, please go to YouTube and find this clip. <laughs> Just go ahead and find the timestamp on that. Go to YouTube and take a quick candor of my embarrassment. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> to the brim. Stuff to the brim. Yes. Yeah. But I would gaslight them and say, yeah. like, you're insane. I would never do that. I'm such a good girl. Mm-hmm. Such a good, good girl. Good daddy. Bad girl. Bad girl. <laughs> Um, so I can think of a time whenever, um, somebody was gaslighting me and, um, this was actually my husband in like the very, very beginning of our relationship, like super early on. And I kind of had this conversation with him, like, Hey, if I'm ever going to meet somebody that you slept with, like, give me the heads up. If you're ever going to meet somebody that I have a history with, like, I'll give you the heads up. And I was like, honestly, I don't think there's anyone in my life that you would ever meet except for one person. And that would only be if we went back to Pittsburgh and had like a group hangout Mm -hmm. with all my friends from high school, this person I'm still friends with, maybe you would bump into him, maybe. Possibly. But this is this one person. Mm -hmm. Every uh, Other than that, no one else is a threat. Yeah. And he's like, yep, no one on my end. And I'm like, okay, cool. And so... um. I just remember him like talking about this one girl and telling me this kind of story about like his, her husband not really liking him. And like my husband's a pretty jovial guy. Like if you meet my husband, he's going to find a common thread to talk to you about. He's super easy to chat with. Most people love Dave. Most people love Dave. I don't think I found a single person yet that hasn't been team Dave. Yeah, people love Dave. Dave's a great guy. So... I'm like, okay, and I'm feeling like something's brewing, yeah. right? Something's brewing. I don't know what it is. Something feels a little off about this. And I'm like asking, are you sure? Something just seems off about this story. Like That intuition, That man. intuition, right? And then um, like an email had popped up or something, and I was like, okay, this just feels off. And so I had gone to a party. I met this person, still totally in the dark, was around all of the friends that knew about their history, was around previous coworkers that knew about their history. Now, this was the exact situation I was trying to avoid. Look, I understand that as a 30-year-old man, you have a history. Right. I'm not trying to fault you for that. I'm not trying to erase that. Just like, let us just know. Give a heads up. Put me in the know, yeah. right? I want I want us all to be in the same pool here, the mm-hmm. knowledge pool. I was the only one in the... Not knowledge pool? Blindfold pool. 
everybody else was in the knowledge pool. And I remember saying to him at one point, like, and I've been telling, I'm crazy, that's not true, you're looking into it too much. And finally, that gut intuition was just so real. I had to say, like, look, if this ever comes back and I find out that I was right and you were lying to me, like, you'll you'll never see me again. Yeah. And he was very smart in that moment and, and was like, well, maybe something, you know. And then ah. I got the full story. But something transpired. Something transpired. There was a history there, but we know it. Yeah. And whenever we're told that we're crazy for knowing it. The gaslighting's happening. The manipulation's happening. It's so, so common. Um, I had a, a similar situation with an ex-boyfriend that swore up and down that I was being insane. He had no feelings for this girl that he was close friends with and all of that. That intuition of mine was kicking right in. And then, you, but the self doubt mm -hmm. and the okay am I just being crazy am I looking too hard into this should I just trust him you know all of that um and that that fucks with you it does for your life like over time that messes with every single relationship afterwards until you start to put in the work uh you get that great therapist that tells you that you were the best and Winner. she loves you so much <laughs> But that, it messes with you over time. Yeah. And that is a really horrible, horrible form of manipulation. Gaslighting, I think, might be one of, like, my most hated forms of manipulation. Well, I'm glad that you said that because my most hated, most hated form of manipulation, Ooh, yeah. like, it's my kryptonite, is the silent treatment. Um. The silent treatment burns me from the inside out I hate being given the silent treatment I feel like it is like um withholding your heart from people it's yeah. like I am mad at you so I'm not going to give you any of my love I'm not going to give you any of my heart I'm not going to give you any of my understanding I'm not going to give you any of my compassion it's just like it's the worst for me. I hate silent treatment. And I refuse to communicate it to you. Refuse. I'm not going to tell you when I'm available to chat. Mm -mm. I'm not going to tell you if I'm available to chat. I'm not going to tell you anything at all. I'm just going to ignore you. And like, let you spiral. Yes. That's the part. Um. So I, I get that. The silent treatment is the worst. And there's definitely a difference because I am a person that um, I need time sometimes and I don't want to talk mm -hmm. right away. Mm -hmm. uh, but the communication is key there, saying like, I can't right now and we'll come back to this is different than just completely ignoring. However, I have also found that there are times where my husband, if if him and I are in a discussion or we've had a discussion and then he comes to me and he says something and I am baffled, I just can't find the words. And I will look at him and just be like, I, ugh, but I, ugh, I, just, I can't. <laughs> like I, I legit cannot pull words from my brain or my mouth or my stomach or my intuition or anything. I'm just like, what the fuck just happened? Mm -hmm. But there is a, a meanness in a silent treatment. Yes. Because it's done with intention yeah. and you know that the other person is reeling. And so this is something that Dave and I really struggle with because I hate the silent treatment so much. I have a tendency to be on like the opposite side of that and that like I want to over communicate. Yeah. And so like if something is wrong, I'm like, here we go. I know I'm going to come home. The lights are going to be out. It's going to be a darkness. I'm not going to have any communication with him. And then I feel like they're holding on to it for a length of time on purpose to make yeah. me suffer. And that part is so emotionally fucked up <laughs> yeah emotional damage emotional damage yes and so I wonder like 
if you don't want to give someone the silent treatment, but you are having a hard time or you are angry and upset, and sometimes when you're angry or upset with someone, you don't want to talk to them. Yeah. Um, but when you're in a marriage and you have to talk to them, <laughs> right? You're like running a life together. You're raising children, children together. Like you can't just not talk. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder like how successful we could be Um, And these are efforts that we try to like compartmentalize these things, Mm -hmm. right? So let's say that there is a a topic that we had to table because he was too upset or I was too upset and I wasn't going to talk about it. But then can I go into the other areas of my life and still communicate with him from a neutral base or am I still communicating from the anger base? Um, I think you and I have a particular resistance to the silent treatment because we did grow up watching the silent treatment as a weapon Mm -hmm. and that was hard because even for us as children the silent treatment was used I even remember dad not talking to me oh really oh my god he didn't talk to me and it was the most brutal like I don't know 36 hours of my life (laughs) Yeah, it's a long time. And the like insane guilt and shame that I had for him to not even be able to look at me or talk to me. Mm -hmm. And but in reality, he was my dad and he should have communicated what was wrong and how it made him feel and what I could learn from this experience or grow from or I mean there were there was such an opportunity to have a learning experience to help a child who was unable in that moment to process emotions because I was a child right I was I think I was 18 at the right. time child child um, but it, it wasn't just our dad or our, on our mom's side also. I feel like maybe uh, there was a lot of silent treatment going on there too. So it hit extra hard. Yeah. And I think that in my adult life, the silent treatment hits extra hard. Definitely. Um, because of those moments. Definitely. Um, I also, a thought that came to me whenever you were talking about, you know, the silent treatment coming up, like, We have such a different perspective now of ways to communicate with our children and what they're going through. I wonder how much of the silent treatment that I was the receiver of as a child, how much of that was like actual manipulation because there was like intent and frustration behind it and how much of it was like lack of emotional maturity to be able to process their own anger and set it aside to be able to help us as children process our anger and come to like a mutual resolution. Yeah. hundred percent. And that's, I mean, things that we won't ever know. Right. It's, yeah. We won't know. It just won't happen. But yeah. <laughs> We're giving you guys the silent treatment. <gasps> Hold on. Let's make them feel really guilty. Did you rate and review? Mm, I'm not mm. talking to you anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go over here and pretend like you don't exist. <laughs> all right so the next one on the list is good old-fashioned guilt trip yeah we are all guilty of this there's not a single person i think on the planet earth Mm -mm. that has reached a certain age let's say eight (laughs) (laughs) because you know you can't manipulate until until about that age really trying to respect those boundaries Um, that it, like, I am definitely guilty of guilt tripping when I feel wrong. I want somebody else, if I feel hurt by something and I know that I'm right about it, I want them to feel it extra. Mm-hmm. I want, like, if I, I keep going back to my husband because that is yeah, my that's, most that's significant relationship. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's you know? where we pull from. And, um, so if he fucks up. And he does. And I really want him to stew in it for a while. I'm like, yeah. I I want him to see the hurt that it did to me. Mm-hmm. I want him to feel it. I want him to notice it. I want him to be sorry for it. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? 
Um, so that whenever you're saying that, like it, that also kind of ties into the silent treatment for me because I hate the silent treatment so much. I'm like the quicker fixer upper. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I want to wrap this towels. shit up in a pink bow as fast as possible. Yeah. I do not want things lingering. I want to resolve them, move on. Um, guilt tripping, I think that I use as a way of manipulation in a sense of like, trying to get someone to see my side yeah. or when I feel like I'm misunderstood or I'm not being seen or heard properly. Um, I definitely feel like I fall into a little bit more of the guilt tripping side of things in a sense that like, um, this is why I'm right. And this is why you are wrong. And who doesn't do that in like, um, I don't want to say an, an argument or like a confrontation, but like, yeah, an argument or a confrontation, you're trying to get someone to see your side. I feel like for me, and this is another one on the list, but I'm going to kind kind of tie them together right now. I am very passive aggressive. Mm. And I feel like sometimes with my guilt tripping, I do it in a passive aggressive manner. And, um, or even like, for example, um, you know, I think that something should be done a certain way. My husband thinks that it should be done a different way. He does it his way. It doesn't work out. And I'm like, oh, that's so weird. I wish somebody would have told us that we should have done it a different way the first time. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? I do that a lot. Yeah, I think that a lot of people can relate to that. Exactly. And I, I wish that I felt more guilty about it. Yeah. It's almost like a habit at this point. It flies out of my mouth before I even have a second to think about it. Um, I wish that I was more attentive to the words that I was about to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not. And I I do have some self-awareness around it and know that it's something that I need to work on because I am – a passive aggressive bitch like whoa mm. Hmm. so I'm trying to think here passive aggressiveness I think is like part of our culture yeah because like sarcasm is funny and mm. sarcasm is passive aggressive let's make a joke about let's it let's make a joke about it of everything you say when you're joking right. is true exactly exactly and so i'm sure i am guilty of being passive aggressive i think that we all are um i think that whenever it's coming into manipulation though i think that that's really like trying to make someone real in their own emotional feelings with intent. Like you are really trying to make them feel bad about themselves. No, I want him to know that I was right and he should have listened to me from Mm -hmm. the get-go. Right. But then, and this happens 40% of the time, not 60% of the time, because 60% of the time I am right. (laughs) 40% of the time I will jump the gun on something that I say. Mm. And then I am sticking my foot in my mouth mm-hmm. and I'm How like do you handle that do you I, take it on the chin I t- or do you like try to I I li- I really wish that I could say that I took it on the chin but what I actually do is some more passive aggressive <laughs> bullshit some more manipulation to hide my failed manipulation I go well I mean we can't be right all the time you know like of course I'm gonna be wrong sometimes at least and... I thought of some extra ideas you didn't even offer anything <laughs> And, you know, like the way that I'm sounding right now, I'm like, God, I owe my husband a blowjob or something (laughs) because I am not coming off good right now. (laughs) I'm so sorry. So, so sorry. My bad. Do you accept this three-minute blowjob? Because I'm not going to finish you off. I'm sorry. I'm just going to make you feel more uncomfortable when this is over. (laughs) Poor guy. That guy, I don't know how he stays married to Yeah, me. well, you know. Maybe it's from all the love bombing. It, oh, that was a good oh, segue. <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's talk about love bombing. Mm-hmm. Because love bombing, oh, God. I mean, are you a love addict, do you think? <laughs> Not on your life. I think I'm a love addict. You might be. Yeah, I'm like a... a 
um, love dreader. <laughs> like, oh God, don't love me too much. It's <laughs> too many feelings. <laughs> Should wear garlic around your neck. Yeah, and hold like, up your crucifix. Dave tries to do really nice things for me, and I'm like, that's a fucking lie. I know that's not real. You don't actually mean that. And he's like pouring out all this love to me, and I'm like, you're lying. Okay, so I do have a hard time accepting um, compliments. For mm-hmm. example, like, ugh. My husband always wants to tell me how beautiful I am. <laughs> Gag. <laughs> terrible. So terrible. What a dick. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's like, I wish she would say I'm beautiful just one time. He really wants me. That's yeah. the thing. You're because right. they give you what they want, right? Oh, man. I'm so bad at it. Yeah, he wants those compliments. I, but, okay. So I will occasionally... <laughs> Just stop him when he's talking and be like, you look so hot right now. Mm. Like, I will give him those nuggets. I only do that whenever Dave's doing something I really want to encourage more of. Uh, that's manipulation. Like, that's totally manipulation. I don't know where it lies on the list. Yeah. But Dave will be like handling a situation with the girls. Like, really? Oh, yeah. That's the one. It's flattery, right? Totally. So if Dave's doing something with the girls and I feel like he has like trying a new tool or Mm -hmm. a new skill to like help the girls in a argument or something right and he like handles it i'm like babe it's super hot how you just handled that so i mean like is it super hot or is it like i want to jump your bones right now that was so sexy no it's like more of that and you're gonna get closer That's one step closer, buddy. Keep on it. <laughs> and he's like, okay, how many steps do yeah. I have to go? Red Rover, Red Rover, <laughs> I call. <laughs> oh, I call your love bombing over, but yes. not your dick. <laughs> not yet. Not that one. Yeah, no, flattery. Um, listen, flattery will get you everywhere it with will. me. Same. Same. It is a love language. I want you to tell me I'm great at stuff. Just I w- not your husband. Just not my <laughs> husband. Everybody else can tell me I'm beautiful. Yeah. Um, But my husband likes to do it whenever I'm being really down on myself, mm. which is expected. That's what he should be doing. Right, totally. He's doing his job. I am just a really fucked up person. Yeah. And so whenever I am like needing the love, I am not able to receive the love. Right. And for him, he really wants, um, like he's able to receive the love. Yeah. Like if I tell him he's looking hot right now or he did something great, he's like, yeah, I did. Yeah. Thank he's like, you. Yeah. I'm feeling this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And me, I'm like, oh my God, stop it. Ew. Ugh. Don't tell me. are cut from the same cloth. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Why do we do this? this, this I'm going to guess childhood trauma <laughs> because that's where everything stems from. I know. I know. We're going to get this back from our children in about 40 years. I, I expect that we will, especially my older two, because I already know that I fucked up with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I'm like, yeah, I, I know what's coming already. Mm-hmm. And I accept responsibility. I did it. My bad. Uh, now it's your turn to do the work. Like at some point, you got to take responsibility and do the work yourself to fix yourself. Because yeah. you can't blame everybody forever. You can't. You yeah. definitely can't. So flattery being a big one, I agree. I do love some flattery, mm. especially from like acquaintance, friend, sister. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, your eyebrows are on point today. Thank Did I tell you? you that? It's yeah. all natural. Yeah. <laughs> they look so good. <laughs> um, so, yeah, flattery feels really great. But whenever it sometimes comes from the person that you're closest to, I'm like, oh, I want to feel so connected and um, have this intimacy between my husband and I. And these are all very true things and yeah. things that we put effort and work into. But there's times where he's trying to flatter me and I'm like, not buying it. Yeah. Maybe it's because I feel the manipulation. Maybe he's manipulating me. 
I think that that is the underlying thing. I always think people are manipulating me. Maybe the flattery from husbands specifically feels like sex manipulation. And that's why we're like repelling it. I think that you're on to something <laughs> yeah, there, yeah, Sherlock. I yeah. really do. Dave's like, your ass looks great. I'm like, thanks. It, so my husband is really into slapping my ass right now. Mm -hmm. But he does it in such a way that it hurts. And I don't like it. It's just like when you walk by, he's like. He wants to playfully tap me on my ass. But instead he's what he's you? doing is abusing <laughs> me. And I'm like, that doesn't feel good to me. That hurts, actually. So today I went to walk by him and he went to playfully tap my booty and he stopped himself and instead he just grabbed himself a big old handful. <laughs> Did he like squeeze it so oh, it hurt or was it like a nice, no, it was, gentle embrace? It was a nice, embrace. <laughs> gentle embrace, but it triggered my like, oh, you got such a good handful there. Like... I felt not great about it. Like you felt like um, he, instead of having like a nice, tight, firm little palm full, he had like a you squishy finger full. quarter <laughs> off of it. Okay. The quarter was getting stuck, indented. You weren't finding it again. <laughs> That's, yes. And so it triggered your own like physical insecurities. Which I have many, many, many of. And he is not supposed to know what those are or how to handle them or when they're going to come up. He doesn't have a crystal ball. No, because sometimes on a Monday, that is okay. But on the next Monday, it is not okay. Yes. Yeah. That's just kind of... You have of, to be like wizards to figure us out. It's how... Yeah. Pretty much. That's <laughs> yeah. how it goes. And I tell him that all the time. I'm like, listen, I'm sorry. I'm unpredictable to a point where it's obnoxious. Mm -hmm. I know that's tough. <laughs> but he is also unpredictable to a point where I also find it obnoxious. And that is life with the same person for 10, 15, 20, 25 years. Yeah. That's how it goes. Yeah. So I want to get back to one. We kind of touched on love bombing yes. real quick. Uh-huh. Um, but I think it's definitely one that needs like a little bit more attention. It's a big one. Yeah. What's your experience personally with love bombing? Love bombing for me comes in a variety of different ways. Um, the first one off the top of my head is when somebody fucks up. And they want to make it up to you. Mm -hmm. And yeah. their way of making it up to you is love bombing you. They're just fucking dropping all the love bombs on you as much as they possibly can. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. Right. Like they show up at your door unannounced with flowers. Let's say if you're dating someone or they buy you a really expensive gift, uh -huh. or maybe they want to take you away on a trip, or do something that maybe you've been asking for for a really long time that they haven't done, but then now all of a sudden that you, they're in the doghouse, they're ready to do for you. Yeah. That's definitely a form of love bombing, form of manipulation. And the thing that pisses me off so much about it is that it's like, I love all these nice, wonderful things and gifts or time or attention or whatever it is, but not as a uh, avenue to erase my feelings. Yes. I love that analogy about um, like, here, take this plate. Now throw it on the ground. Okay. Now put it back together. Is it the same? Mm-hmm. And that is very much a, when you wrong somebody, whenever you hurt somebody, you're taking that plate, you're smashing it onto the ground. And then the love bombing is the glue that is trying to put this plate back together. But it's not the same. Um, sure, it's a, a fix. It's a Band-Aid. Um, but it's manipulation because you're it, trying to trick the person into thinking that everything went back to normal. Totally. And now there's weak points and easier areas where this is going to break or bend. And to try to ignore those or wipe them clean with a gift or a love bomb is like complete manipulation. And then there's also those relationships that start out 
with love bombing Mm -hmm. where they want you to see how good they are all the time in the beginning. I'm so great. I'm so great. I'm so great. I'm so great. Look at this. Look what I do. Look what I do. Look what I do. And eventually that gets exhausting Mm -hmm. and it wears out and it's not what real life is. I always say that if you want to know who the real person is, you got to wait six months. At least, yeah. At least Mm -hmm. six months to see what that person is, how they actually handle situations in real life because you're always putting your best foot forward in those first six months. Yeah, I mean, so many times we like send our representatives out for us. Yeah. You know, they're not getting like the the full all of me, mm-hmm. right? And I think that that's true in any relationship whenever you first start. But I think the love bombing and the manipulation comes into play whenever it's like um, you are invading space, boundaries, spending too much time doing things that are over the top, planning dates that are over the top, not allowing um, for space and time to be between you two, um, to allow this like rush and euphoria to kind of come down and allow you to process this person. It's just like constant, it's a drug, right? It's that constant 24-7 being with them, flattering them, like all of the forms of manipulation um, to almost trick them into being in a more intimate space and relationship with you. And then it gets to the point where when one of them says, um, and and I've been there, I'm a love bomber. Mm, okay. I am. I or, or I used to be, I should say. Um, it gets to the point where after I love bomb, love, but look at everything that I do for you. I love you so much. I'll do everything. I'll be there for you. I'll show you the world. I'll be your support system. I'll, you know, I'll do all of the things. Um, and then, you know, person B wants to go hang out with their friends. God for fucking bid. Mm, mm-hmm. And person A, me, is like, why am I not enough? Right. I just showed you so much love. Guilt trip. Yeah. It's manipulation stacking. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's exactly. So when this tactic doesn't work, then you move to another one and another one. And before you know it, you're so layered into it that like your position is one. And I look back on relationships that I have and I have so much guilt and shame around those the way that I acted in certain relationships the way that I manipulated people and then whenever they didn't respond to it the way that I would then in turn respond to that I I did a lot of fucked up shit in my 20s and as much as I hate it and regret it I am so grateful for it Mm -hmm. I learned so much I'm able to be the person that I am now in my 40s because I fucked up so much in my 20s. Yeah, you don't really learn unless you fuck up a little or a lot. And I honestly didn't have a chance. I I saw certain things. I had certain experiences uh, in my adolescence growing into adulthood that um, – I just craved love. Mm-hmm. I craved it so much that I would do anything for it. Yeah. yeah. And manipulation was my sole way of getting it because I didn't think that there was any other way to be loved. I mm-hmm. thought I needed to trick people into loving me. Mm. And as I got older and realized that you can love somebody Without having to be with them 100% of the time. Totally. You can love somebody, uh, you know, through and, and have friends that like there's a healthy way to love people and there's an unhealthy way to love people. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this manipulation, this passive aggressive, this love bombing, this guilt tripping, this flattery, all of it, the whole list of it I've gone through, I've I've been and I mean, I'm sure if you go back and ask any of my exes, they'll be like, bitch is crazy. <laughs> she did it all. Yeah. Yeah. So I try to think back of like early love, early relationships and like the things that I did in order to secure that love. And this surely is a type of manipulation. I don't know what title I would give it. 
um, maybe the chameleon, um, because I would essentially like morph into what I thought that person would want me to be. Oh, yes. Right? Like, you know, I, uh, I, I'm the cool chick. Yeah. I drink beer and, you know, watch football hats. and like, like old trucks and country music. If you do. Yeah. If you do. Oh, you do. Oh, you're like super into like live reggae me too I love that and I'm a total hippie chick and Mm -hmm. you know like I would just morph into and not because I was trying to trick them but because I wanted them to like me so much um, or wanted them to like want to spend time with me so much that I needed to be the coolest most likable version of what I thought they wanted 100% I relate to that because it's not hard to envision yourself being all of these aspects of different people. Sure. I can be a hippie girl. A little bit of everything, right? Yeah. Just got to lean into it a little bit more. Yes. And so I I get that. And I also see it a lot in uh, like now that I'm aware of it, not even just for myself, whenever I, cause I'm consciously aware of it now, like trying to pick it out in other people. Mm-hmm. And I will see, uh, you know, one of my really good friends, for example, I watch him kind of morph all the time. And I'm always like, oh, I wish so hard that you would just like see what I, like you don't have to do this. You don't have to put on, the facade, you know, mm-hmm. like take off your mask. You can be loved the way that you are. You don't have to morph into this, this, and that, no matter what person you're around. Totally. Totally. Um, I think that that is a really interesting perspective to bring up because it comes into another form of manipula- manipulation that I definitely have incorporated in my life and I think I do all the time and I catch myself doing it all the time and that's projection and so we wouldn't be able to have these views of somebody morphing unless we ourselves have morphed and know what that looks and feels like because we can't pick these things out in other people unless we see them in ourselves and that's a form of projection it is and I do that a lot even with my children Mm -hmm. especially with my children, I should say. Um, I have had experiences with my kids where um, I try and protect them from something that they are not even aware is something that they need protected from. Yeah. And it actually like breaks my heart for little Dana sometimes Mm -hmm. because I'm like, oh my God. Uh, For example... My oldest, uh, whenever he went to go take his driving test, he went to take his written test. And the first time he failed. And whenever he got into the car, I was like, okay, so what do you want to do? We can tell people we didn't even make it here. You know, like uh, mom forgot all of the paperwork. It's all my fault. I, I didn't remember all of the paperwork. And we'll just tell them that you weren't even able to take the test. And he looked at me and he went, I just failed. I'll take it again. Mm. Yes. And I was like, oh, my God. I was trying so hard to, like, cover up this shameful thing that happened. Right. But it was your shame. It was my shame. Mm -hmm. He was not ashamed. He was just like, but I missed a fucking question. Not a big deal. I'll do it again in a week. He's like, I get to do this, like, three times if I have to. It's fine. He was not upset about not faced it. about it yeah and that's when I realized like my childhood is so significantly different from his thank fucking god yeah I was afraid and ashamed of every failure every perceived failure, failure. Mm-hmm. and I feel very grateful that my kids don't have those same perceived failures that they feel that they need to cover up or that are shameful or you know are bad and they're just like yeah 
part of life. This is yeah, what happens. Try again. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so, so, um, you and I have both been to the same um, astrologer, mm-hmm. and one of the things that she said to me was like, um, you don't ever pass on that wound to your kids because you're so aware of it that you don't, that's, that's how you fix that generational trauma. So yeah. for me, it was about like self-expression. I'm like, I want my kids to be able to be whoever it is that they want to be. I want them to be able to speak their truth. I want them to be able to speak their voice. I want them to be different if they want to be different. But that was my wound as a kid. Yeah. Me trying to conform or fit into whatever mold that I felt that I needed to or not feeling like I had a voice as a child. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to repeat, repeat that with my kids because I'm so sensitive to it already. It's uh, It makes you think also about the generation before us and what they were trying to not repeat, but then they ended up doing something else. Right. And And we'll do the same. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I know that's a tough one. Um, because it's, it's cyclical, it's generational, it's going to keep happening. Um, whenever we touch base on projection, I try to think of how projection plays a role for me. And I think, I know, in fact, that a lot of times if I have a really strong feeling of like blame on someone, um, usually it's a projection. I mean, now if it's like cut and dry, you stepped on my foot and it's broken, like that's your fault. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not projecting that. Right. But if there's like um, a perception and my version of the story versus your version of the story. Sometimes I'm like, you're just trying to do this or you're just trying to do that. Um, if I think that somebody's just trying to do something, I'm, I know I'm projecting. So where does it lie where you're like, I know I'm projecting or also I know that I am halting manipulation? Um, I don't think that I realize that I'm projecting until I've, until the situation has happened and like, I've had some space from it. I've been able to download and process. Then I'm like, oh, you dummy, you were projecting. There are times where I'm definitely projecting. Uh, I think the balance that I struggle with right now is knowing when I'm trying to halt manipulation. Mm Mm-hmm. Because sometimes you recognize manipulation and you're like, okay, hey, mm, I see you. Yeah. And I see what you're trying to do right now. Right. And you're also trying to grow and be a better person. So you stop that shit. Yeah. (laughs) You stop it right now. Mm. (laughs) Just knock it off. I'm going to hit you with a newspaper. (laughs) But there is that line and I'm not always going to get it right Mm -hmm. sometimes I'm going to be wrong with it Mm -hmm. and that is another really hard thing where I'm like shit I'm I'm not always going to uh I'm I'm not always going to get this 100% no we can't get everyone right Mm -hmm. manipulation tactics what do you think we could do right now to manipulate this audience into I don't know maybe like commenting on the video or mm. like doing like five star ratings and reviews or telling friends or something like like I feel like we could guilt trip hardcore right See, now. I'm just gonna go flattery. I think flattery oh, is better. Yours is probably better than mine. Yeah, because they've already done such a great job thus far supporting us, and I know they love us and they want to see us succeed and they want more amazing content. And they just know that when they flatter us with these reviews Mm. and when they flatter us with um, five star ratings, that we're just going to keep giving them the good stuff. And they're so amazing that I want to do that for them. And I mean, I don't want to cross a line or anything, but your ass looks amazing. Have you been working out? I know. Did you happen to like check over your shoulder in the reflection? Because it's like top notch. Mm, so good. Um, go check out that uh, diet uh, episode that we did not too <laughs> far back. <laughs> Open mouth insert foot. <laughs> oh, guys. Thank you so much for hanging out with us this week. Uh, Like I said, your ass is looking chef's kiss. So (laughs) 
thank you for that. It's a good one. Um, so this was a fun one this week. Lighthearted but serious stuff. Um, try to catch yourself whenever you feel those manipulations coming at you or when you're putting them out. If you feel like sharing any of your stories with us, please, you can email us at unbatting at gmail.com or go to our Instagram, which is at unbatting because we would really love to hear those stories as well. Yeah, definitely. So it's been another week of unbatting with Dana and Jess. And so until next time. Yeah, we're unbatting, baby. Unbatting. Unbatting. We're unbatting, baby. We're on a journey, baby. We're unbatting, baby. We're unbatting.